You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Rabbi Isai, um, it is a task I've put here in front of me is something which I don't believe I'm going to be able to do justice. You're never supposed to apologize when you start talking. But we're talking about not only appreciating the Rabbi Yaakov Perlow, who was nifter on right before Pesach. Also appreciating uh, his vision of what he was trying to accomplish. And the truth is, is that I had a little bit of a relationship with him. And it's standard procedure to say that you're not really to talk about a person of stature. And I have tried to understand him and to try to give over with a couple of pieces of things that he himself has written, a sense of who he was and what we have lost. And when we deal with the history of this period and times to come, when we talk about what occurred during the the dark days of Corona. Part of it is going to be the people who passed away, even the older ones and the ones that we could have used. And I believe, just as has been mentioned many times, that he, even in his last days, and he was not so well towards the end, but he was still working as, as Rabbi Zweibel pointed out, and as his own children and grandchildren spoke to me, he was working on the pronouncement of the Aguda of how to deal with the coronavirus during Pesach. And one thing about the Novominska, Rabbi Yaakov, Ben Ravnochem Mordechai Zetzal, is that he worked on everything that he wrote and was a, a a perfectionist. He wanted to do it himself. He didn't want to give over the writing. Even that last piece, he needed to write. He was a person that, for our audience, we are lucky that he wrote, he's, he's left us many things that he has written in English. He was a person who was an American boy, in a way, born in Brooklyn. Obviously, Yiddish was his first language, but he, was, he wasn't a typical Rebbe in terms of the way he spoke English. He was, as it's been mentioned many times, he was a graduate of Brooklyn College. He went to high school, elementary school, high school, uh, and college as well. And he enjoyed writing. He felt that that was one of his roles, was to be able to put things in a not a, not a a way a cogent style that could match whatever sort of writing was on the streets, whatever sort of writing was in the newspapers. And he worked at it. He worked at the things that he wrote. He encouraged other writers. So he has left his own writing in English and in Hebrew. And we're going to read some of that to get a sense of who he was. 
in no specific order. Uh, this is from his Sefer. Uh, I, I became familiar with the Novominsker uh, in the early 1980s based on the Sefer that he had written. He was in his 50s when the Sefer was published, but it's a collection of really good shtiklach as we say. You can, they didn't have, it wasn't a chesidisha pieces of Torah. They were lumdisha pieces of Torah on some of the most difficult sugyas and shas. And he was proud of them, but it wasn't just that he wanted to show off. He actually made contributions. When I was a, a young Kolo fellow, this was one of the favorites farm I had to look at and to see how he was presenting things. In the introduction to his Sefer, he writes the following. And you can see it here. I've presented it here. Um, he, he justifies why he was involved in in, in, in learning. Uh and what learning means to him. Let's take a look. Let's read a little bit of it. The Rosh writes in Hilchah Sefer Torah, the Bezman HaZeh, Mekayim and Mitzvah Ksivah Sefer Torah, Al Yedei Ksivah Schumoshin. The Rosh explains that even though all of us have a mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah, how do we fulfill it today? So the Rosh was Machadesh, very famous Rosh, that by writing a Chumash, by writing over Mishnayis, of course they didn't print Svarim in the time of the Rosh, by writing a Gemara, by writing over the commentaries of others that you for you to study, you fulfill that mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Because the idea is, as the Rosh says, to know what to do, to learn and understand so when you write over, let's say, the Chidushim of Rav Salvechik on something, again, we can print it and buy it now, but let's say that's going to explain to you what a mitzvah means, what the Gemara means, what the Halacha means, you now know what God wants, and you've done something to help you know what God wants. That's the idea of writing a Sefer Torah. And that's why people say, that by buying svarim, you can be, that's what the kiyam of the mitzvah is. Buying svarim is a kiyam in the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Because it's all about the tools that you need to understand the will of God. So therefore, Rav, uh, Rav Perlau says, if you have divrei Torah that explain things, then that's part of the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. It isn't just going to the svarim store. But if you are, are, are confident enough that what you've written can make clear the ideas of the Torah or Vahalacha, so, and if you publish a book, you can be Makayim, not only the mitzvah of learning Torah, but the mitzvah of adding to the great Sefer Torah that all of us, in a sense, are connected to. He quotes the, the famous Rabbi Chaim Elazar Vak, Big Talmud Chacham. He says, 
if you got one thing right in your book. So that's again, you have to look at the Sefer Torah not as 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 a parchment. You have to look at the idea of everyone having a Sefer Torah, meaning they need to have what it takes to study, to bring into themselves, and to be able to understand and explain to others as well. So if you're writing a Sefer, even if it has only one thing that might be true, you've added one letter to the Sefer Torah of the Jewish people. That you've added one letter. So it's like you fixed one of the letters of the Sefer Torah. We know that if, you, if, you, if, you, if a Sefer Torah is puzzle, and it's one of the letters needs to be fixed, fixing it is a way as if you've written, as if you've established that Sefer. So, as he says, if maybe there's one true thing, so it's as if you've done one thing. So he says, and, and, and this was true about Raphael. He was, and again, to me, when I met him, and every interaction I had with him, he was the consummate unhuf. He said, he says, even if it's one dover lamito shotorah, he says, I'm just hoping that what I did here is, has some contribution. Um, and, and he says, I ask people to, to, to tell me about that. Um, I spoke to him in learning a number of times, and he would listen to me. <laughs> And again, he's 30 years older than I was, and we share a little commonality, and that is we're both Rebbeim in Skokie Yeshiva. We both taught in that Yeshiva called HTC. We both were there, again. And we're both pretty much the same age when we were teaching there. But he would come to Chicago uh, frequently uh, because that's where his father-in-law was. That's where um, his, uh, his, his wife was from Chicago. And um, he would come there, uh, and and I would have this host to see him and talk to him. I remember speaking to him about things in the Sefer and speaking to him about a Chiddush I said. And he sat there as if what I said was like the greatest, something he had never thought about before. It was something, yeah. And he, 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 he praised it. And he didn't make it seem like he was being condescending at all. And that was... To me, and every person I've spoken to pretty much emphasized the same aspect. He was a person of who loved Taira and loved giving encouragement and was extremely approachable. And you can see a little bit of that here. I want to go on a little bit here and um, He mentions that Uva Amdi Po Bashara Sefer, as I am writing in the beginning of my book, he says, I'm remembering my father. Now, that was uh, Rav Nochem Mordechai Perlo, who uh, was also the Novominska Rebbe before him. He says that basically what he remembers about his father was the tremendous Hasmada that he had. He was always learning, no matter what was happening to him. He said, I remember when I was young, 
Gidalti Abirka of Zacharis Kareno, Oz Masme Bilimudo, Omasam Levos Kayomim, the Mesechta Sashas. I remember how much he was spending night after night studying and learning. Now, he was a Rebbe, but what it was was about learning Torah. It was about learning Gemara. It was about Mesechta Sashas. People find it strange that the thing that Novominsker seemed to have the most passion about was learning Gemara. Even though he was a Chosid and a Rebbe, and he and as you can see, we're going to see, he was very familiar with Chassidish Asfarim and learned them and understood them and explained them and felt one of his roles was to make them understandable for this world, for, for the modern world. He did some very interesting translations of pieces of Chassidish Torah. But his heart was in Gemara. Um, and, and that's what he loved to do. He was a Talmud of Rav Hutner. He learned in a, what was called a Litvish Yeshiva. And part of what he was able to show was that it, it, it doesn't make it, he, he tried, and I think he achieved that, of being the consummate Lamdan and being a, a, a Rebbe at the same time without giving up either. Normally, we, t- we try to look at these as two different worlds. We look at the world of, we look at the world of the, of, of the Litvish world, the Hasidic world. In fact, there are great Hasidic Rebbes that are tremendous scholars. Satmarov, Rav Moshe used to send people to the Satmarov to, to talk in Kachim with. The Satmarov was a great Lamdan. However, when the Satmarov spoke, he realized that his, his, his approach in learning was different than what we call classic yeshivish approach. In, uh, in some ways, he was sort of like a critic, a, a, crit, a critic of it. The Kloisenberger Rebbe, who we've talked about, was in many ways, he was able to, the Kloisenberger Rebbe in many ways, was able to match what was going on in the yeshivish world but he saw himself as a corrective. He said, I'm going to give Shiurim, and what his writings are, are basically explaining the sugya from what the Rishonim, giving you like a chronological perspective. Whereas the Novominsker was in that Lumdisha world himself. And he was a, a part of that. He loved... The Kloisenberger Rebbe does not quote the Briskerov. The Kloisenberger Rebbe doesn't quote Rabbi Baruch Baer. The, the Novominsker actually would quote the Litvish Gedolim. He was part of them. And that was something that, that didn't come as an accident. It came from his father. But he said his father himself was able to be just as much of a Lamdin as any person in the Lithuanian world and love Gemara in the same way, love the Talmudic mentality in the same way. Okay, somebody is, I didn't do this. <laughs> but anyway, let's take a look. I'm not sure where this red circle came from. Maybe it came from, uh, but um, he says it came from, his father got it. His father was able to absorb it from Kotsk. He says that um, in, in 1926, his father married his mother. Uh, that was, by the way, again, just to throw in, um, 
the same year that my father, Ulver Shalom, was in that same house, uh, the house of the Sokol of a Rebbe. The Sokol of a Rebbe was a, 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 a great grandson of the Kotzker. And he was considered uh, not only an extension of the sharpness of Kotzk, but he also became one of the great leaders in the Aguda of Europe. Uh, and his, the <laughs> Rav, um, Rav Perlau was a grandson of the Sokol of a Rebbe. His, his mother was a daughter. He says when he was by his father-in-law, and they were giving Shurim in the Yeshiva and Sokolov. This was my father's Yeshiva, where my father learned. And it's possible my father saw in some way uh, the Novominsker's ma- mother. But when he gave those Shurim, he says, um, most of... Um, he says most of the, the, the Chidushim, he says that's where he saw Shefarav. He says he once heard in Sokolov that how are we going to makabel Mashiach? Makabel Panayin Zayn Mashiach Metasvarif and Rabbeinu Tam. Part of what Sokolov tried to continue, Sokolov and Kotsk tried to continue, was Torah. The Kotsker once said, the Vilna Goyen is a Ganif. They said, what do you mean the Vilna Goyen is a Ganif? He's a, he's, a, he's a thief. He says, the Vilna Goyen was a Ganif. I'm telling you. He must have been standing behind the Rabbeinu Shalom when Moshe Roshan was giving the Torah over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because everything he says is so brilliant. He stole that stuff and he put it into his Hagos and his Farah. That was, the, that was a, one of the great Hasidic Sharebis who said that. That was what it was about in Kotsk, in Kotsk, in Sokolov, in Piliv. And this is what the Novominsker was extending. It's Emes. It doesn't make a difference if it comes from a period of someone who was anti the Balshemtiv. That's not relevant. Those issues of Machlekes are ugly and terrible. We don't even want to deal with them. But that doesn't stop us from cherishing the greatness of these people. And that's why the, 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 he was very careful, in fact, that, that Torah wasn't provincial or political. It reflected a certain emiss, and he was thriving in what's considered the, the great wave of Lithuanian Torah thinking. He was a, not only a devotee, I would say, in my humble opinion, he added to the ksiva of the great Lithuanian Litvisha Sefer Torah of learning. I'm not sure where this is coming from. <laughs> it's not coming from me. Um, anyway. Now, um, that was in terms of where he got his lumdas from. But he also mentions that he also mentions the the Sokolover. I'm sorry, he also mentions his father-in-law. His father-in-law from Chicago was the Zidichoyver Rebbe of Chicago, Rabbi Ram Eichenstein. To me, this was crucial in the, in the Novominster's life. 
The Rebbe Minsker from his father, from a direct line from Kotsk and Sokolov, realized what it means to stay as a lambda no matter what and to learn. Uh, and even as in his later years, where he was had many issues where he had to speak for the Aguda and he had a lot of, uh, he had to do a number, he was always called on by the public. His greatest hano was to come back to the yeshiva in Borough Park or in the summers when he would go to the camp and just sit there and learn all day. And he would learn and sing while he was learning. And you couldn't interrupt him if you wanted to because he was in a different world. He, just like his father and the dairies before him, was able to find love and concentration in his writing and his learning in, 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 in Sugis. But the other part that made the Novominsker great was his incredible, his masters to the Tzibor. It wasn't just that the Aguda found someone who could speak English and looks like a tzaddik. And let's put him up there and this way he sounds like he can reach people. And he had a talent to write. He actually felt in all of his heart the importance of reaching every Yid in Klal Yisrael. Despite the fact that they weren't a chassid or looked anything like him or even in terms of being on the fringes of religiosity. And I think that was developed within him by what he, his time in Chicago. Um, and he talks about the fact that he, his, again, his wife, who was the daughter of, of the Zidichaiver, um, and uh, he actually, he, he lost his wife, unfortunately, and then he married his wife's sister, who was also an almona. So uh, he actually married uh, his, his, his sister-in-law afterwards. Um, but he said, what did he learn in Chicago? In Chicago, the, the, Chicago in the ninth, in the in the fifties and sixties, it wasn't the Torah that it is today, and it was there the 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 there, uh, Rav Eichenstein would have all different types of people there, and the the Novominsker, because being an American boy, being able to speak English, he saw a way to connect to start to be involved really in Kiruv in the strongest way. And he mentions that his father-in-law was Makarev and Makurev, and he gave Sadoka to people. I think that was something that the Novominsker saw in such a great oifen in Chicago that he didn't see in New York. And it wasn't surprising because of, he was one of Rav Huttner's prime Talmidim. Rav Huttner wrote him letters as you can see here, when he was in his 20s, as if he was writing to an equal. Not only was he, again, he was one of the, the, the best of, 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 the, of the students in Chaim Berlin. It's not surprising that when he was in Chicago, HTC wanted him as a Rebbe. Now, if you take a look at some of the pictures of what HTC was like, what the Ibrahim was in, in, the, in the early 60s and mid-60s, it didn't look that much different than the other colleges of the time. The pictures of, of, of Kent State and other places, again, it wasn't exactly that, but the kids there and, and, and the, in the high school and, in the, and in, the, in the college, it was a very modern school. And the Novominsker was actually able to become one of the most beloved rabbis there. Um, Rav Avram Friedman and Rav Hanoch Friedman 
who was one of the biggest Talmud HaChacham in Eretz Yisrael today, became inflamed in Torah because this young man, who was just a number of years older than him, took him under his wing and learned with them, studied with them. He made chaburas for these kids. He saw American boys like himself in a way, but not necessarily given the background that he had. And he was able to, in, he was able to evoke within them an incredible Avas My cousin, who's a, who should have a, a refuah shlema, and I called him up because I, I wanted to check in on him. He remembered that he was learning in the base Medrash by himself in Skokie Yeshiva. And most of the guys didn't show up in the afternoon. They were there in the morning. The, the, the rabbeim left around one o'clock. The afternoon was supposed to be an honors seder. So there was hardly anybody there. So this American boy, my cousin from Memphis, was uh, Alan, was in the base medrash learning. And the Novominster came in. Again, he was a man in his 30s. He didn't know him. He wasn't his Rebbe. He was probably a teacher in the high school at that time. And he came over to my cousin and said, I want to learn with you. I see you're learning here. Let's learn together. Can you be my, will you be my Chavrusa? So for a whole Zman, they sat there and learned Gemara, Rishonim. That was a special quality. He, He could have gone home. But he was zeroing in on, on trying because he believed in what what Taylor was. I want to share with you um, something here on, on Kriya Shema. His grandson told me that he was very proud of this piece. It's in his... Um, it's in his second, the volume, the second volume of the Sefer. It's a very beautiful piece, and I think the uh, they're going to re- be reprinting it uh, soon. This is the uh, the Novominsker's Biurim and Kriyashma that we say three times a day. I'm going to share a couple of pieces with you. Shema Yisrael. What is Shema when we say Shema? He says it has two meanings. One of them is understanding. Shema. Absorbing. Comprehension. And they're both part of Kriya Shema. And he again bases it on the Vilna Gon. He says, what does the, the understanding mean? Understanding is penetrating what it means God's existence and his unity. Like the Rambam says, which means, no, you have to use your mind. And that, of course, is the philosophic aspect of Yudhiya Sashem. If you read the Rambam carefully, you know that you can't be Makayim this mitzvah just by acceptance. You need to understand, you need to actually work. You have to maybe work your whole life till you really comprehend what does it mean, God's unity. But he says, Shema is just as much acceptance. Kabolas o malchus bekavonas alev. That's already two parts of the Novominsker in my mind. One of it was Yediya. He didn't, if you look in his forum, he doesn't give an inch in terms of his trying to understand. 
his idea to work it out as, as, as solidly as possible. But the second one is about accepting that you're going to submit totally and completely. And then he quotes this beautiful morale. Let's read it together a little bit. He says that Hakabolo, this idea of, of, of Shema, which of course is understanding, the Kabbalah part comes, although you're doing it as an individual. He says, The way you're Makabal God's Malchus, you can't really do it. You can't really become a submissive servant of God as an individual. You need Yisrael to do that. Asher haklal malchuso yisbarach alav, because God is is the king primarily over the, the the part of us that's part of everybody. So therefore, when you say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, who are you talking to? He says you're talking to yourself, but you're talking to all of Klal Yisrael. Ki ilu hu Every time you say Shema, yes, one part of you is the individual thinker. But the other part is the one who's part of the tzibur, who's saying, Yisrael, that's you, but that's bigger than you. It's me that's part of everybody. Because when you speak to the klau, that's when, and you feel part of that klau, that you're able to be makabal the malchus. Because when it comes to klau Yisrael, as a, as a, as a total unit, there is no pegam v'chisoro. When we look at people's faults, and they are many, that's when they are not part of that zibur. But kasher hayochid miyachid abidose b'shem kol Yisrael, or makasher atzmo b'kolos Yisrael. When you realize that you are part of this incredible zibur of klal Yisrael, and you work. You don't just do lip service to it. You feel it in every fiber of your being, how much you're part of Klal Yisrael. Then that means your avoda is an avoda without a pagam. That's why he says the Yisod of Amuna, who Yisrael, comes to all Klal Yisrael. Because it's only by having that whole Klal that you're able to actually accept God. That's what allows us to come to Harsinai. Now, the Novominsker developed this idea about the sense of what Klal Yisrael is uh, in, in, in a number of places. One place that I thought was important was an article that he wrote about Avis Yisrael. Here it is. This was from the 1985 Jewish Observer. And it's a very interesting piece. You can see that he worked on it. You can see that it, it, you can see that it meant a lot to him. Um, I, I hope you're able to, to read it, as, as, make it a little bit larger for you. And it's a little bit stilted. Um, I feel when I read him, I, I sort of know, because I, I, I sort of stumble with the same thing. I, I try to be um, eloquent in some ways, but then I find there's certain terms that 
you don't have a translation for. So along with a, sort of a Shakespearean flourish, you're also talking about Hasidus and, and Musr and, and things like that and, and using terms that don't have a translation. And that's sort of what this piece is like. It's also an English essay with notes in Hebrew, as you can see. But part of what this essay is about is what does it mean to love Klal Yisrael? And his basic answer, as you can see, is that it's not Shaykh. He says that, um, you know, uh, ideally, it's the Abba feeling for one's fellow Jew that should impel him to Abba behavior. No Jew is exempt from this mitzvah in all its aspects. No Jew, however cold on emotional, he may consider himself as exempt from sensing and feeling and experiencing Abbas Yisrael. Any less than he's exempt from sensing, feeling, experiencing Abbas Hashem. But how can Abba be legislated? Emotion's not easily subject to willpower and free choice. What then does it mean to be commanded to love? How can you command someone to love? So he answers it based on the Sfasemis. Now, I heard from the Novominsker's son that as much as he loved all Chesidish Sfarim and liked to look in them, the ones that he was most attracted to were the, the ones that he thought he was continuing. The ones that were tremendous Tamid HaChachamim and thinkers at the same time. And that would be the Sfasemis, who was the, 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 one of the most important Mepharshim that we have on Shas. <laughs> and he only lived only a hundred and something years ago. And uh, the Sfasemis's grandfather, the Chedush Arim, Rabbi Chimayr of Gur, and Rabbi Avram Bornstein, the Sochichavr. Those were the favorite Sfarim of, of uh, the Novominsker. So he loved the Sfasemis. What does the Sfasemis say? Sfasemis says, you have a question. How can you love God? How can you legislate Ava? He says, from the fact that God gave the mitzvah. If God gave you the mitzvah, you must have that within you. Where is it? It's deep within your heart. If you want to have it, you can find it within you. Otherwise, God couldn't command it to you. If you are thinking constantly, if that's what you're about, if you say, I want to feel it, I want to feel God, I want to feel love to this being that seems to be beyond me, it'll happen. That's what we say, it's planted in there, and you can find it. So that's what the Sfasemis says about the idea of Abbas Hashem. What, what Abbas to our friend, Reacha, comes in is that we devote ourselves to the other person. He says, if God gave us that mitzvah of Ava, we can create that mitzvah of Ava towards others by doing acts of chesed, by being involved in that. We can become feeling Jews by doing that. 
But he says that, and he quotes this incredible Rashi. It's a brilliant chat from this Rashi. Rashi says, why, when it comes to Esav, that there's only um, six people, does it say Esav had six nefoshos? Why? And when it comes to Yaakov, there were 70, it says Shivim Nefesh. Esav, there's only six, and you use the plural. When there's 70, which is more, you use the Loshan Yochid. Rashi says why. Yaakov, they were Ovdim El Echod. The Novominsker finds in this Rashi the key to what Achdus is. The way you have Achdus is if we all share this bond, this what he mentioned in the other piece from the Maral. Klal Yisrael, that's if you realize that it's all one unit. Klal Yisrael and the Rabboni and that's how you get that Achdus towards Klal Yisrael. The individuation of Yisrael from Hashem Yisbarach presents a challenge. How close is each of us to the sun? How close are we to another? In locking our hearts to our common wellspring, we begin to sense the vibrant sacred kinship that prevails between Jews themselves. We discover the inner bond, the unifying single spirit, the point at which the collective of Yisrael mirrors the unity of Hashem. So in other words, Avas Yisrael is created by a tremendous desire, but it's also recognizing the whole of Klal Yisrael and through Avas Hashem. So it really becomes one mitzvah, Avas Yisrael and Avas Hashem biyachad. And he quotes here the Balatanya uh, to prove this point, that true Avas Yisrael is unimpaired Avas Hashem. Jewry is that it's, he says again, in the Torah, all the infinite separate rays converge. Jewry is at its source. They are one. The absence of peace within the house of Israel is, that means that there's a lack of Abbas Hashem as well. Now, in some ways, this can be dangerous because that means you maybe do not look at the people as if the, as if they're true human beings. You're looking at them metaphysically. You're looking at their neshamas. And the truth is, the Novominsker, while he recognized, like the Balatanya writes here, how within the biggest Balavera is the most incredible tzaddik, he didn't treat people like objects. Um, my friend Eitan Kobri, when he wrote uh, recently in Mishpacha about the Novominsker, mentioned how the Novominsker was very active in helping set up the special needs uh, division of, uh, of, of of the Aguda of children with learning disabilities. Um, and he was not just put, put my name on it. He was in constant contact with, 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 with the people involved in order to make sure that every student was not marginalized. He understood the pain of the parents. And he wrote a very a beautiful essay uh, that was based on his uh, this essay about a mission for special parents. And as a, 
and I'll say this, even though, again, you know, you're not, you know, I, my kids had learning issues. Um, I understand that. And the sensitivity in his children, uh, again, are, 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 are wonderful. The Novominsker's kids, I know them very, one of his sons. I don't think this came from his own experience. But when he writes about how raising a child, the pain and, and, and the mysterious nefesh that it takes, to learn how to, and he speaks psychologically about what they have to come to, to cope inwardly with the plight, uh, to accept without feeling stigmatized and recognizing their situation, depriving spiritual strength from individual pain. He writes here, it's a sign of real spiritual maturity. Um, parents and teachers can be special people. They can achieve heights that other people will never know. Their challenges can be banners of excellence. He understood, and, 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 and there's one other point I want to mention here. This was very, to me, Shalom, and here I include Shalom bias as the basic ingredient of all human relations. The absence of parental Shalom bias is usually an insidious hidden cause in the personality problems discovered in people later in adult life. I've, I, I guess I've heard that before, but when I read it, it really rang true. That when you see Shalom bias, it was so crucial. Um, and he was worried about the shalom bias that could happen in the house of someone who was a learning disabled person. Um, and he worked very hard and personally in order to make sure that those programs were there. Uh, and, and to me, that was, it was, he didn't, he practiced, in other words, what he preached, even on an elemental level and to be ready to be able to respond. Uh, I want to uh, basically finish up here with just two points about his sense of what chinuch means. And I go back to uh, his piece on Kriyashma. And I, I can... If we go back, to, we're going to... I want to go to the piece on Vishinam Tamlevanecha. And I think it encapsulates a lot about his educational shita. Let's see. V'shinam t'mubanecha. Pirsh Rashi Medivya Sifri Ayla Talmidim. Shinam Tamuvanecha means your students. And that's what the Rambam writes. Okay. So the Rambam says that the mitzvah of Shinamtam is not the mitzvah to teach your child. The mitzvah of Shinantam Livanecha is a poetic way. And that's the Pshat the Rambam says, Mi Piashmua, the mitzvah to teach people Torah. Where do you know that there's a special mitzvah to teach your own child? That's from the second parsha of Shema. We monitor Masam as Benechem. 
We're having a little computer issues here. I'm sorry. A little bit of computer issue. I want to get back to that, please. I'm sorry. And how do you have to teach your grandchild? Shinantam Levanecha is a special din, not in the family. It's your people who come to you who you might be able to give Torah to. And that's what the Rambam says. The mitzvah is everyone to teach Talmidim, even though they're not his children. And that's what it says to Shinantam Levanecha. The Rambam's lotion again is Mipi Ashmua, Eiwa Talmidim, Talmidim Kriyim Bonim. So now the question is, the Rambam has a question. If it's true that there's two mitzvahs, why did God give a mitzvah of teaching your sons and family and then give another mitzvah to teach others? So the Rambam says, because if both those mitzvahs come to you, you have to teach your children first. Ben beno, akta beno, ben beno. So in other words, there's, there's two mitzvahs according to the Rambam. One is, Every person who is able to give over Torah and is able to teach has a mitzvah to try to teach Torah. The other is a family mitzvah. The two can be together. However, if there's a conflict, you go with the family first. That's what the Rambam says. Now, um, and he mentions that this is the way the, uh, the Birch HaShmuel explains the Rambam, quoting uh, Chaim Brisker's Talmud. Him came, the word banecha does not mean, based on the tradition, does really not mean children. It's a separate mitzvah to teach Torah to people who want to learn. But he says, if you look at Unkelis, Unkelis translates it as vititnun libanech. Now, I don't know if Unkelis is a good proof or not, <laughs> but for, for the Novominsker's point, he is trying to use Unkelis as separate than the Rambam. Not like the Sifrei. In other words, the Sifrei and Rashi and the Rambam are ma'akir poshib shot in the Pasuk and make us read the Pasuk to mean something else. But Unkelis, who's translating based on Chazal, Unkelis, a Talmud of Rebelezer and, 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 and Rebelezer of Yeshua as well, Unkelis, where does, where does he come from? Unkelis says it means children. I'm sorry, it, it means children. Hmm. And the Shilta says it means children. And the Shilta says it means children. And the Ramban. So what does that mean? It must mean that the Gamakim Nikru Bonim. It must mean that the Talmidim are also Bonim. So if Talmidim are Bonim, what that means is, Shnei Gdorim Hema, Ubeis Kroi Nem Rebachiyav Mitzvazu. There's Shinamtem Limadatem. Shinamtem means to teach Torah to students, but to teach them as if recognizing like they're your own children. And just like the idea of a father is a physical progenitor of his child, 
He teaches Torah as a way, like he gave life to the child. He gives Torah as an extension of his life to the child. That's what our chiv is. When we teach Torah as well, there's a mitzvah of lima Torah where you're trying to make sure Torah stays in from generation to generation. The first mitzvah is you got to teach your kid what to do. That's limadatam asamas benecha. Shinamtam avanecha is a different mitzvah. It's to make sure that what the way you teach your kid, the way you teach anyone, ensures the continuance of Torah forever. Therefore, obviously, let's say you don't have a, let's say your kids aren't interested in learning. Of course, you automatically turn to other children. You, we are all fathers in a way of Torah. And we have to ensure, just like there's a biological imperative for the, for the, for the generations to continue, there's a biological imperative to want to see the next generation live. There's a bio, there is a Torah imperative, a spiritual imperative, to make sure Torah lives, that Torah will be there. And that's why you need, that's why Vishnatha Vanech is telling you, you have to teach children, the people who you are connected with, the people over your yeshiva, the people that are, who are, who are you are your chevra, your chabura, they are the ones, like a child, that are going to make sure Torah lives beyond you. And therefore, he says, that's why it says, Vishinamtim Vanecha, who Becholas Hatzibur, Lahachik Sid Beloshin Vanecha, the Kola Talmidim, Heim Beneim Shokol Yisrael. Every student, wherever he is, is your son. Every student, anyone, who's, anyone out there, special needs or not, everyone is our ch- children. But the Ramban and the Shiltas, would, this is the machlokas, the way he's explaining it. Now, um, even though we, we, there's another Chazal that we'll be reading, we're not going to read it, but it's in the Torah soon, in, Parsha, in, Sefer, in the beginning of Sefer by Midbar, that if you teach your Ben Chavero Torah, it's as if you gave birth, as if you, you caused him to be born. But the Tziva Shanamtem is Lahamid Bonim. In other words, this is another chap. Elu told us Aaron, Elu told us Moshe, right? Elu told us Aaron Moshe. so you, you gave birth to the guy. He's your tolda. He's a product of you. Okay, tolda is one thing, but a ben, Miloshan Binyan, is even bigger. It's one thing is that, yeah, if I teach you, I influenced you, I helped shape you. Okay, so that's a leda. So that's one way to teach someone. But the tzivu of a shenamtem is to be maimed a ben. And what does a ben mean? It's not just something that came from you. It's kiyotzebo. That you can become a father. A tolda might be something that's an, that's something that, that something that came that's a, a, you spewed out, something that's connected to you. But a ben means someone, it's like a binion that could actually connect and be a, a teacher for the next generation.
That I believe is a, is 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 the is was the way he felt in all his being at the hespid that was given in Yiddish by Rabbi Yisrael Perlel, the Koizenberger's son. I mean, the the Minsker's son. He mentioned the fact how he viewed the pride that he had in the bacham from the yeshiva, that the bacham and the yeshiva were in a way the synthesis of midas toivos and lumdus and learning. Yeah, they were mostly chassidish shechevra, and, and there, but there, they would still accept someone who wasn't so chassidish. But the point was, the Novominsker in his talmidim saw them. He saw them. He wasn't just trying to produce clones. Um, he was trying to really connect as if these were his children. And he had that pride that they were, in a way, modeling that sort of midas and their acherets. I'm just going to end and say that there was another side to the Kloisenberger, to the Novominsker, and that was the tough side that he was called on to take. And he called out in very strong terms things that he saw were incorrect. He had to speak for the Aguda, but I am sure that it wasn't just that they were putting him up there and said, here's your speech, you need to say it. He did speak strongly against open orthodoxy. He did say that it's heresy. He did lambaste, uh, 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 not lambaste, but he definitely uh, was upset when the Jewish Observer printed an article um, describing the life of Moses Mendelssohn and describing how, what he got wrong. He felt that the that it shouldn't even been he shouldn't even been considered. He did speak strongly against the 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 chevra that that led to the Kahananics. He spoke extremely uh, passionately against them after Rabin's assassination. And he stuck to his guns. In one way, you might say it's difficult for such, you know, to, to say, was he really a big lover of Klal Yisrael? Here he was. I know that if you read Avi Shafran's article, after they published the Novominsker's negative comments about it, he wrote Shafran uh, a four-page private letter explaining to him um, what it was about, that it wasn't personal. He went out of his way to make sure that the person understood what it means to be Lashem Shemayim. And I believe that, 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 that it's true. I know from, not just incidentally, I, I know from, from, from people who have told me um, uh, that he would constantly uh, give support, write points to people, um, let them know that, yes, he had to take the public stance. His his son mentioned that when he had to speak for the Aguda, there were protesters and people who thought he was wrong. People came, and, and, and I didn't know about this, uh, protest in front of the yeshiva. They found out his telephone number, and uh, they left him ugly, terrible messages he kept those messages on his phone, he said, till Rosh Hashanah. Now, I don't know what he meant, that he kept it, to, then he erased them. 
I think he felt that it means something. Even though you are L'shem Shemayim, if you cause pain to others, and the others are so upset, even though they're in the wrong, you need to question yourself as well. I don't think he was on his high horse. I think that it, it hurt him terribly when he had to step out and, and criticize. One of the things that, that and it's, 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 it's worth to remember now, is that he even um, was willing to criticize the Haredi world in Eretz Yisrael. And he begged them to start beginning some sort of dialogue. He didn't condone the anti-religious forces there. He wasn't necessarily saying that we have to dance together. But he felt that the, the level of, of anger was something that you had to be very careful of. I'll, even if there's a mitzvah to hate someone for his averus, the Novominsker always quoted the Teisvis in Psachim that says you could quickly turn into, it could become egoistical. It could become your own campaign. And to him, it was something that we always had to, had to be careful for. So I, I, his, he, he kept strong. He wouldn't give in. He wasn't willing to, to make compromises on things that he felt. But, but I think that his method of expressing, his method of making sure that the person didn't realize it was personal, his method of, of, of questioning himself, the fact that he questioned himself, the fact that he was his own critic for things that he said and, 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 and might have given out, that, those are the models of the type of behavior that that can lead to the achdus that he, that he that he so passionately believed in, and the ava that he so passionately believed in. I know we have some talmid chachamim here and people that are anche dea. I would say that one of the great kibudim that we could do for uh, the Novominsker is to re-examine some of his farm. He's got three volumes. Uh, uh, in the Yitzhar Chochma of, of, of Adas Yaakov, it would be a big schus, I believe, to continue to learn his Torah, uh, to see him not only as a spokesman for the Aguda, but as the, as the private Talmud Chochem that he was, the Lamdan that could add. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, you don't miss a single episode.